Welcome to Right Hook Podcast. I'm Steve Hook, your host. Welcome aboard to our big podcast here at Big Big Show today. Stick around. Right Hook Podcast coming up now. Yes, we are. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to Right Hook Podcast. Steve Hook with you on Not Black, Not White American Media Group. It's good to be with you for another week, 23 days from the uh, time of this recording until the country starts to resemble itself again with any luck, knock on wood. I think we're, uh, I think to use a political term, I think we're trending in the right direction. I really do. I think that uh, yesterday, or this actually strike that Friday, the uh, the January 6th hearings ended with a whimper and zero evidence. Their big, uh, their big, showstopper now you'll recall and ladies and gentlemen let me just kind of backtrack here for a second you'll recall months ago if you're a regular listener to this podcast uh we made the prediction that they are going to drag this january 6th thing right on through right up until the midterms and by god didn't they do it isn't that wonderful now again in in, in that entire length of time as much as the media has been doing their liberal circle jerk over this story and trying to really you know paint a very, very, um, well, it's not just a, uh, they're, dri- they're driving a wedge, but the, the, the image that they've created of Donald Trump, they never could prove. They never can prove. They didn't prove it with the Mueller report. They couldn't prove the Russian dossier. Uh, they can't prove anything. They just throw these allegations out there, and they know that the media will pick up the pick up the load and carry it for him. And they've they've relied on that so much. And the, the irony of this is, is the two most distrusted institutions in the United States of America, as I say to you right now, the two most distrusted are the media and the Democratic Party. Yet they are so locked at the hip, so, you know, that they can't, I mean, they are one and the same, right? We've talked about this before, too. So the January 6th committee ends with just a pathetic Cheney. She is so, I'm so glad that she's going to have her ass bounced out of the Senate. I just, I just can't wait. But uh, with them indicting former President Trump. Now, mind you, going back the last four or five months, as long as this damn thing has been going on, they have proven nothing. They have zero evidence none but they're going to pursue it anyway now the reason i bring all this up you say well steve nobody cares about the january 6th committee why are you even talking about it exactly nobody cares about it except for them they care about it and they care about it an awful lot because it's all they have that and abortion i mean that's it hate trump and uh and abortion and uh, we we must have abortion right up to the minute of birth and anything beyond that is fascist. And, you know, the media, of course, carries that. And the American people are having none of it. The key issues concerning voters right now, the key issues are the ones that affect all voters, regardless of party. And that is the economy, their own economy, families' economies, who are getting completely raped by this inflation brought on by policies from this party that is screaming about Trump in January 6th and abortion. And that's it. They're not screaming about 
inflation, are they? Oh, no, 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 no. This is transitory. This is, we're in fine shape. Uh, we're, in, we're in great shape. This is a transitional period, don't you know? This is, this is how we rid ourselves of the evil uh, fossil fuels. Now, they won't talk about that because they know damn good and well that the second they go down that road, even people that might agree with their agenda, stupid though it is, those people are getting hit in the pocketbooks as well. So this January 6th committee, the only people that are concerned about it or watching it or paying any attention to it are people that are already predisposed to despise Donald Trump, to despise Donald Trump's supporters, and to ignore everything that's going on in their own party. Because that's just how strong, you know, there's a great song, That's How Strong My Love Is, by Solomon Burke years ago. Well, that's how strong their hate is when it comes to Trump. Now, those people are annoying, they're frustrating, they're very, very stupid, they're shallow, they're myopic. They are, and I'll say it because it's true, un-American. But there are not many of them. It is a dwindling base. We saw Tulsi Gabbard leave the party the other day. And she just she went out with a bang too she said you're all run by a bunch of elitist cabal of white liberals and warmongers (laughs) she's not wrong but she left the party of course we had former democrat presidential nominee andrew yang he left the party about a year ago so people that have any comment now mind you I, i probably disagree with tulsi gabbard on at least 60% of what she believes, and Andrew Yang probably even more. But at least those people, at least Gabby and Andrew, have the common sense to realize that the Democratic Party is off its rails. It has gone full-blown, and I hate to just sound so redundantly repetitive, But it's gone full-blown woke and cancel culture, and really, if you get down to it, a Marxist worldview. Now, I'll give you a perfect example of this in kind of a non-political way. This past week, maybe it was last week, Troy Aikman, former Super Bowl-winning quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, made a comment after two unbelievably egregious roughing the passer calls happened in the same week. So this would have been last Sunday, but he commented on it on it earlier in the week, this week. And he said, you know, it's time for the NFL to take their dresses off, man. I mean, this is football. And guess what happened to Troy Aikman? He came under withering attack. He came under withering attack. That's so misogynistic. Now, mind you, this euphemism you know, take your dresses off or, uh, you know, grow a pair, that kind of stuff. These euphemisms have been around for decades without problem because, you know, words don't hurt, right? They're nothing. It's 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 a way of saying, hey, stop being pussies. You know, start playing football. Give the people what they want, football. Now, Troy Aikman had every right, and he was absolutely correct in that assessment. But what happened? Well, what happened was a couple of days later, after everybody had defended Aikman online and people saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I mean, I know the, the fringe left and the, uh, the angry at everybody crowd about everything. 
came down on him. Most people offered nothing but support for what Aikman had to say. Nevertheless, he was forced to capitulate and bend the knee and say, you know what, I kind of wish I wouldn't have said that. I, I mean, I forget what kind of weaselly-ass apology he made, but he did. He publicly was forced to apologize. And Troy, I'm going to tell you, I know you're probably not listening to this podcast, buddy, but if I wish you were, don't ever apologize to these people. But in his defense, I guarantee you, he was pressured into that apology by the NFL. I'll guarantee you that happened. I'll guarantee you the commissioner and some other big wig, probably owner executive types in, inside the NFL called him up and said, hey, look, we don't disagree with you, buddy, but uh, here's the problem. Uh, we, we, these people are risking or, or threatening boycotts. They're threatening really bad press. So just do us a favor, bite the bullet, and, uh, and just apologize. And he did. That is pathetic. That is absolutely pathetic. So this crowd that despises America, despises its founding, despises its traditions, despises capitalism, despises anything that is, you know, they are the thought police after all, despises anything that might even resemble quote-unquote toxic masculinity. They use the threat of going after capitalism to help shut down the voice of capitalism and to shut down people that they disagree with. And if these major corporations, who, by the way, are largely run by liberals, so that's important to keep in mind, but if they don't start growing a pair and taking off their dresses, this kind of crap is going to continue over and over and over again. And that's why in 23 days, we've got to get this country back to looking like America again. Because they are going after everybody for everything and Troy Aikman is just an example of that now after half a year of the January 6th commission we have learned absolutely nothing you know what tape they never played in that January 6th commission they never played Trump saying I know you're going to peacefully and patriotically let your voices be heard at Capitol Hill they never played that tape and they could never get around the fact that he said it I was listening to the great one the other day, Levin, and he, had, he, he said something that I had just been talking about my wife with, and that was how all they do is throw out accusations. They never, they never offered any evidence. It was more opinion. It was more, well, you know, I wish he would have done this. I wish he would have done that. But they never said, uh, you know, this is what he did to encourage violence because they couldn't. But we also know not only did they not play the tape of him saying peacefully and patriotically, let your voices be heard, they also never, ever once asked, why didn't Muriel Bowser, the, the mayor of DC, and why didn't Nancy Pelosi, the House, uh, the Speaker of the House who was in charge of Capitol Security, why didn't they accept Trump's offer for National Guards? Why did they both say, no, we don't need it? including the former Capitol Police chief who resigned, you'll recall, who said, yeah, we wanted the guard. Uh, we were told we couldn't have the guard. And of course, the media ignored all that too, as, as is their want. But it's catching up to them. It's catching up to them. 23 days from now, they know that they're going to get their asses kicked. Now, I hope it's the biggest 
most de- most decisive, massive tsunami of a wave election that we've ever seen in this nation's history. I will say that I know local politicians that are Democrats that are good people. I won't vote for them. I won't vote for them. I don't even care if they're doing a good job. They're, they're, that entire party must be made to pay for allowing that party to be turned on its head and completely, completely taken over by the hard left is, is, is inexcusable. Some politicians who are of the Democrat Party came out and spoke out against it. Tulsi Gabbard, Andrew Yang. What did the media do to them? Destroyed them. Trashed them. So you can see there is a, you know, as, as, as the old man Biden likes to say, uh, this is going to be a, an election. Uh, this election is it happens once every uh, 60 or 70 years. This is going to be a, this is a deciding election. This, well, he's not wrong. But he's going to get his ass kicked because he is pathetic. So what do people really care about? Do they care about January 6th? No. Do they care about comments that Troy Aikman made about uh, the NFL taking off their dresses? No. They care about their they care about the economy. They care about crime. They care about an open border policy. They care about an ever more intrusive federal government into their lives. This is what people care about. And on any of those issues, the Democrats get crushed. They get crushed. I want you to hear what Marco Rubio said. Marco Rubio was on with, uh, I think it was Sean, uh, Sean Hannity last week, a couple nights ago, in fact. And he's talking about Joe Biden going to Saudi Arabia and begging for oil. Now, I just want you to bear this in mind, folks. We have way more oil than Saudi Arabia does. We have way more natural gas than any other country on the planet has. We have more natural resources than China and India combined. And we have stepped on the throat of our energy sector because Biden made some idiotic, stupid political promises that he's now regretting, I would, I would wager. But probably not, because I don't know that he knows what's going on. And Joe Biden never give a damn about anybody else but Joe Biden anyway. So he's making, the big guy's getting his cut. He doesn't give a damn. But it's destroying our nation's economy. Every single thing, when you go to the grocery store and you go to buy yogurt and you realize that yogurt is now $2 for a little cup of yogurt when you used to be able to go in the store and buy 10 for 10, you realize, holy cow. When you buy that gallon of milk for $5.50, you realize it, don't you? But all of those prices are going up because they all get there on a truck. And that truck is fueled by diesel more often than not. And diesel prices are through the roof because of Biden, because of Democrats. So Rubio is on with Hannity, and he's talking about this very subject. And he's talking about Biden's stupid trip to Saudi Arabia and the disingenuousness of it all. Cut one. 
Well, I think the pieces begin to fit. First of all, they already played politics with oil. So the, obviously he runs for president. He threatens he's going to put everybody out of business. So, of course, the refining capacity, the production capacity, almost a billion barrels of oil less today than we were when Donald Trump was president. Then you have them start dipping into the strategic reserves. And we have these strategic reserves after the OPEC uh, after the OPEC embargo of the, two, of the 1970s, because we never wanted to be in that spot again. Those things are there for things like hurricanes, a war, some other disruption. They're not there for midterms. That's what he was using it for. Then we get into this situation now where Saudis and others are acting in their best interest. I think they're doing two things here. One, they want to set oil prices at a way that is good for them. And at the same time, and it's OPEC plus Russia, but the other is they're doing it to punish America and Joe Biden. And we shouldn't be in this position. We are an oil-producing country if we want to be. The reason why we are not, the reason why we are producing a billion, a million barrels of oil a day less than we used to is because the Biden administration will not allow it to be produced and the radical left in the Democratic, that controls the Democratic Party, has told the fossil fuel industry, oil and others, we are going to put you out of business. And we find ourselves in a position as beggars. The most powerful country in the world is now in a position of having to beg but, these third-rate countries. So, okay, yeah, third-rate countries indeed. I mean, uh, Hugo Chavez... Uh, strike that, Maduro now, in Venezuela, we're begging him. It's also important to remember that Venezuelan oil, and even Saudi oil, is much dirtier than our oil, especially Venezuelan, that's filthy oil. They don't clean it up, they don't, they don't give a damn, they don't refine it to the extent that we do in the United States. So it does more damage to the environment. So that argument goes out the window, because they don't really give a damn about the environment, folks. For those of you who think that this is all about saving the planet, you, come on, please. This is about controlling a huge segment of our economy and putting it in the hands of the federal government. That's all it's been about. That's all it's ever been about. Biden and Democrats want to control the energy sector, period. That's why they're offering so much money to green energy upstarts and stuff, because they control them through this government largesse, our tax dollars while we pay through the nose for a loaf of bread. And this is exactly what Rubio is talking about. And by the way, just another thing he mentions there, SPR, Strategic Petroleum Reserves. In the last months of the Trump presidency, oil, a barrel of crude, cost $24 a barrel. And President Trump said, you know what? We ought to buy it now and fill the SPR to its brim. You know who stopped him from doing that? Democrats. Democrats stopped him from doing it. Not because it wasn't a good idea. It was a great idea. But rather because it was Donald Trump that came up with the idea. And they did not want him to have a win. They put the, the, they put the safety and the security of this nation way down the ladder. For them, it's about power. The acquisition and the maintenance of power is first, second, and third to them. That's where they're at. So while we could have had a completely full strategic petroleum reserve at a cut rate price, now we've got oil trading at 100 bucks a barrel and we're begging Saudi Arabia, who is now, by the way, teamed up with Russia, who we're fighting and we're paying billions of dollars to Ukraine and we're still asking, and we're going to, in one hand, we're paying billions of dollars to kill a whole bunch of Russian soldiers. On the other hand, we're going hat in hand 
to OPEC plus one. And of course, the plus one is Russia. So Russia has a say in it. So we're saying, hey, I know we're killing a whole bunch of your guys, but can you give us some oil? We've got an election coming up. And of course, the media just ignores all this. But people can't ignore it because it's affecting your pocketbook. Anyway, so there you go. Now you know the whole truth behind this SPR and Biden tapping it in the run-up to the election to lower gas prices by like four or five cents a, a gallon. And now all of a sudden it's jacking back up. And guess what? He doesn't have much to tap it left into. He will run our strategic petroleum reserves dry if he has to. I don't think he's going to be allowed to do it, but that's what he would do. And so Sean asked Rubio, point blank, so are you saying that Biden is using oil for politics? Cut two. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that the timing tells you that, that the answers your question, right? We, can you just not do this or announce you're going to do this until after November? Because the last thing he wants is, is what's happening already, what happened over this weekend. A spike in oil. The oil prices go up in the futures market. And then a couple weeks later, it begins to get priced in at the pump right around the time as Americans are going to go vote. And remember, Biden's been going around and the Democrats have been going around for weeks bragging about how oil gas prices were coming down. Everything was on. He was taking credit for that. Now he'll have to take the blame, and he deserves the blame. So, yes, I believe they're messing around with it for political purposes, but I also think this is indicative of how these radical left-wing Marxist misfits that control the Democratic Party have put us in the position that we are now in as a country. And that is, they're okay with us getting more oil from other countries. They just don't want it produced here, and it leaves us vulnerable, not just on oil, but on all kinds of other things that they refuse to produce in our country, natural gas, all the byproducts that come from that, you name it. Yeah, you're not kidding. They don't want they, they don't want they don't want the uh, fossil fuel industry to be an industry anymore. They've said it. Biden has said it over and over and over again. Look, I want you to look at me now. No more, no more fossil fuels. No more. That's what he said when he was on campaigning to a 16 year old girl as he sniffed her hair. I mean, it's just so. I mean, now of course when he says, yeah, it does look like they're using it for politics well of course they are and i love what the saudis did and don't don't get me wrong i've got i carry no water for the saudis i do think they're despotic as hell in many many ways but i also know they are a check against iran in the middle east they are a check or were a check against russia and china sometimes you have to lay down with dogs in the world in the real world not in the made-up fantasy world where there's 85 different uh, genders and uh, you have to use proper pronouns. Not in that fake world. In the real world, sometimes you have to deal with pretty shitty people. That's the way the world works. We call it human nature. So now, who is Biden trying to deal with? He's trying to deal with Maduro and he's trying to deal with a guy that he said was a, a reprobate Uh, from a pariah nation, and he's trying to win favor with them. And then he's saying, hey, do me a favor. We know you're not going to produce more. Just can you wait until after the first week of November to announce? Could you imagine? I mean, this is pains me to even say it, but could you imagine if Trump did that, what the media would be doing? By God, that sounds like collusion. That's because it's collusion. The Saudis have a lot of reasons to not like Biden. And it's not simply because of what he said 
about the crown prince over there. It's because, and everybody knows that the Khashoggi murder was disgusting, but, you know, what do you expect? It's who these people are. It's who they've been for a long time. They have a different culture. I'm not, I'm not defending it. I don't know about it. I know one thing, though. They're a great check against Iran, and Iran would get us all in a nuclear holocaust without even thinking about it. But, but Rubio is uh, just spot on with that. And I think most of the American people get it. And here's the thing. The American people doesn't, they, they don't, we don't need the media to confirm this and to confirm our suspicions. All we have to do is go fill up our tank. And that confirms them well enough. But another thing that is concerning people 23 days away from taking our country back is crime. Massive spikes in crime. This is one of the reasons I think you will see a big tsunami of red. It's because people are pissed off. This whole defund the police thing really has blown up in their faces. But it's not just defunding local police. And it's not just, you know, uh, forcing major sports leagues to paint BLM on pitchers' mounds and have these Black Lives Matter things and 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 bend the knee to Antifa. It's the fact that what they are doing is dangerous for the sake of being dangerous. They don't seem to give a damn. Cashless bail? Are you kidding me? But where does it really, where does the rubber really hit the road on this crime? The southern border. The southern border. I'm going to play you some clips here, and I tell you, when I heard this, I was, I know how bad it is, because I've talked to my man Darius Mayfield, who's been there. I've talked to people who've been there. I've, I've, I've studied it. I've, I've read the uh, stats and the data coming through about all the different getaway, or the gotaways and uh, everything else. But what stunned me was the amount of money that the drug cartels are making during the Biden administration. It's staggering how much money they're making. So the other day, this is former acting DHS. So this is a deputy of Homeland Security, former acting DHS uh, secretary, Chad Wolf. And he is on with, I want to say, I think it's, I, I think it was MSNBC. I could be wrong because uh, I cut these the other day, but uh, but listen to what he says. Cut, uh, what is it? Cut three, go. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. I think what they've seen time after time after time is it doesn't matter what poll it is. Uh, immigration is usually in the top three issues, and the vast majority of individuals, Americans, from both sides of the aisle, all walks of life, every demographic, do not believe and do not support this administration's view and measures on immigration. And so you're right. I think they're saying, look, we're in trouble here. We've got to do something different. And uh, look, we've been imploring them to do take similar actions now for almost two years, and they have just refused to do it. So I think it is, uh, you know, certainly interesting timing that now uh, almost, you know, in middle of October that they're taking these measures. Okay. I should have set that up a little bit better. And by the way, as I was listening to that, I realized I think that is on Fox. But here's the thing what Chad Wolf was referring to there. The administration is now starting to reenact Title 42. In other words, stay in Mexico. They're trying to reenact that. Why are they trying to reenact that? Well, 23 days from an election is, is mainly why they're doing it. But also they're doing it because they're getting withering uh, news from their, their Democrat politicians in these border states. 
uh, Henry Cuellar is calling up saying, hey, man, you got to understand, this is going to kill us. This is going to destroy us if you don't. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican. Myra Flores in Texas is an example of this. Mexican-born, ran as a Republican and won. What was she running on? Open borders. So what they thought was going to happen with open borders was that every Latino in the country, or Latinx as they like to refer, as the white liberals like to call them, uh, every Latinx in the United States was going to line up behind wide open borders. Well, it turns out they uh, fled socialist countries in South and Central America for a reason. They don't like them. And they don't like open borders. And Chad Wolf was saying, gee, it is kind of, the timing is suspicious that they would try and reenact this. Why? Because all kinds of Venezuelans are starting to pop across the border now. Now they want to stop the Venezuelans. The Venezuelans are fleeing what? Socialism. Or as they call it, democratic socialism. What, what Bernie calls it too here in the States. So they don't want those people any more than they want Cubans in. <laughs> because they're fleeing the country, these countries, uh, that are imposing politics that the Democrats want to impose on us. But yeah, why are they doing it now? Eh, 23 days before an election. That's why. But I told you about the profits. Listen to these numbers. Again, this is former DHS acting uh, secretary, uh, Wolf, Chad Wolf, and listen to the profits that the cartels are making. Cut If you've four. got the mayor of El Paso busing migrants all over the country into New York or into D.C., what that says is that this is not a political issue. This is a necessity issue for those that live along that border. And when the Department of Homeland Security washes their hands of these migrants and turns them out onto city streets, uh, supposed to go to shelters, the shelters are overrun, City officials are now having to deal with this. And for governors like Governor Abbott, they need to move these migrants out of overwhelmed communities along that border and move them into other places that the federal government's not going to do their job at the end of the day. Yeah. And Maria, just to your, your previous point about the numbers of, of the money that the cartel members are making, a stat that I saw recently, which is very, I think, telling, is in 2019, roughly the uh, cartels were making about $500 million. 2021, $13 billion. Jesus. And so that's over a 2,000 increase, and it's because of the crisis and the money that they're making off of this crisis. See there? So in, in, in the fiscal year 2019, the drug cartel's estimated profit was $500 million. That's way too much. It's about $500 million too much, really. But that's what it was. Last year, $13 billion. With a B, 2,000% more. And it's being ignored. By the way, the mayor of El Paso is a Democrat. He has been sending busloads of immigrants all over the country for months now. But for some reason, the media never bothered to report it, just like they never bothered to report the Biden administration forcing DHS to drop off busloads of immigrants in empty parking lots like Walmart in the middle of the night, which is what they've been doing. And the media ignores it. Why? Because they want to focus on the January 6th committee. That's why. They want to focus on abortion. That's why. They can't focus on this because if they do, Democrats lose. And as I said at the top of the program, the two institutions that are trusted least by anyone in this country right now is Congress and the media. So the media carrying the water isn't working anymore. And the reason it's not working is because people see it with their own eyes and ears. 
We see these subway murders in New York City. We see drive-bys. We see fentanyl deaths. I would wager that every single person listening to this podcast right now, directly or indirectly, knows of someone in their community that has died from an overdose of fentanyl or other opioids in the last two years. The, The numbers are staggering. It's the leading cause of death right now for people under the age of 40 in this country. And the Democrats and the media ignore it. The voters are not ignoring it, though. They're not ignoring it. So again, the media is trying to do the work for the Democrats, but nobody in the electorate trusts the media anymore. It's kind of a funny situation. Now, listen, I got time for a couple more cuts before we wrap it up. But I want to just, the last two are kind of, just call it our daily funnies. This cut, I want you to hear, kind of getting back to the media focusing like a like a laser on the January 6th. Oh, it was so big. It ended with, they, 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 they subpoenaed Trump. That's never going to happen. Trump is never going to testify. But this January 6th committee needed something to get their rabid, uh, manipulated hate. Uh, They they needed to really give them, we got to throw a bunch of red meat out. So that's what they did. (laughs) They did, they subpoenaed Trump. And now you get Joy Reid, who has no business being in, in, in network news, but she works in MSNBC, so all bets are off. She's talking to, now get this, this is just who these people are. MSNBC contributor, former FBI agent, Peter Strzok, a man who was was, uh, fired from the FBI for lying about Trump. But he's the perfect guy to come on and talk about Trump and the January 6th committee. You just can't make this crap up. But I want you to hear just the insanity of the left. I'm going to let you play the the whole thing, Darius. We're going to play the whole damn thing because it is ridiculous. Cut five. What do you make of this weird thing where not having questions like what we're having this conversation about, where a lot of the MAGA right now despises the FBI. They want to defund the FBI. They want to defund, you know, they want to attack the United States military. They're too woke. What do you make of this strange world we're living in where it is the right now that detests seemingly, not all, but some, the FBI? And the military. Sure, it makes it makes no sense. I mean, it is everything as a former army uh, artilleryman, as an FBI career FBI agent. It makes no sense because that is nothing like I heard or expected. And the world is upside down. But you know, I don't understand it. It isn't that they don't believe that the law shouldn't exist. It's just that they shouldn't exist for them. Right. And if you want to say, okay, well, the, the Bill of Rights is woke. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand what the Constitution and the Bill of Rights lay out all the equal protection, all the ideas of the protection of minority rights, everything that flows from that. that, that, that these are the precepts of our founding fathers. Yeah. That isn't woke. Or if it is, I don't know how anybody can, can argue against it. But it is the strangest thing in the world. And I keep thinking at some point, we'll reverse back to this tradition of Republicans supporting law and order, <laughs> supporting law enforcement, supporting the military. Yeah. But I'll be darned if it just hasn't continued. Yeah. It is nonsense. 
It is, again, nothing but absolute hypocrisy to be arguing on the one hand, as you sort of indicated in the prior segment, we've got Donald Trump chanting about Hillary Clinton to lock her up right. over a very small number of classified documents that are, are material that ended up. But at the same time, he is hoarding yeah. a far more okay. massive volume of material and wants to be above the law it's, as it's, far as that's concerned. It's, it's, a, it's a bizarre world, Peter. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bizarre world. <laughs> it's a bizarre world, especially when you make crap up out of whole cloth live on TV. Peter Stroke, a career, a career FBI agent. That's a pretty short career there, Peter. You got fired from that gig before you even turned 53 years old. That's a pretty good career you had there. By the way, Joy Reid, it's not that people on the right, the, 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 the MAGA right, have turned on law enforcement. We have said that your guest sitting next to you there, Peter Strzok, and everybody on the seventh floor of the FBI is corrupt as the day is long. That has been proven. Those people need to be fired immediately. They need to be fired. Like Peter Strzok was fired. It's not that the MAGA right has a problem with the military. The MAGA right has a problem with politicized generals like Milley who are all of a sudden saying, oh, you know, you can identify as a man, woman, you can, a unicorn. We don't care. And by the way, don't say mom and dad anymore in letters. Okay, let's not do that. Let's get away from that. That's what people despise, you clown. So that's just, but that just lets you know where the left is right there. They completely remove any and all context from the righteous indignation that many Americans have towards the FBI. They remove that context and say, oh, they're trying to defund the police. Oh, shut up. That's not even remotely close to what's going on here. Oh, they hate the military. Shut up. I guarantee you more uh, MAGA uh, conservatives have served in the armed forces than the uh, BLM Antifa crowd that you people play to. I'll guarantee you that. I don't even need to see the numbers. I know the numbers are true. The military votes almost exclusively to their own best interest, which means conservative. Not the top brass, mind you. Not the, not the, not the politicized generals and admirals that have been moved up the chain because of their political leanings, but rather the real military men and women. Okay, one more clip that's another, just another perfect shining example of why in 23 days we have to take our country back. Now, I mentioned earlier that a couple of Democrats have left that party. Of course, most recently, you had Gabby decide, I'm out. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, rather, said, I'm out. And she came under withering attack from the uh, from the progressive left wing of the media, which is to say 98% of the media. But about a year or so ago, Andrew Yang left the Democrat Party. And he's on with Paul Pagala. Paul Pagala is an old Clintonista. He is a, uh, he's a, he's a party first kind of guy, no matter what. Party before country. Party before American people, party, party, party. He is a party boy. That's who he is. That's who Paul Begala has always been. And he and Andrew Yang are debating. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You just listen to this, and I don't know if I'm be able to get through all of it, but it's pretty damn funny to listen to this circular debate these two have. It's Andrew Yang and Paul Begala on CNN Go. Uh, uh, 
stranglehold on, let's say, 50 percent of this the is primary gang. electorate. So when people are trying to cast about for, hey, maybe we should have new blood, maybe we should have younger candidates, the people that resemble that, if they decide to run in a primary, can see the writing on the wall that it's not going to go their way. And on the Democratic side, I don't think they have a primary if Joe decides to, to run for re-election. Let's say that there are going to be a couple of people who would like to challenge him. I think the, the DNC shuts that down. The DNC can't shut it down. The voters will because he's done such a doggone good job. Democrats well, the DNC will try to shut it down. We've got some history. Democrats have the power to shut down Paul, if they open it, if they open it up, you're going to see you're going to see a number of people stepping up. And the fact is, no incumbent president who's had a significant primary challenge has won re-election. Everyone knows that. So every establishment Democrat will say, look, and they'll be leaned on. They'll say, cannot run against Joe. So you know who might run if they actually have an open process? People are already outside of the establishment. Someone like Nina Turner, someone like Marianne Williamson. And mm -hmm. if you have a, a just a Nina Turner versus Joe Biden, Nina Turner ends up gathering a significant amount of support just ideologically. And the last thing the DNC is going to want is for Joe Biden to have to debate Nina Turner six times. Uh, so they'll, they'll shut that thing down. How? I think your point yeah, is how? The legal ballot. Oh, we're going to all find out together. She, it's going to be a good run. time. But Look, the, the, she, was Bernie, <laughs> she was Bernie's co-chair. She's a former state senator no, from we, Ohio. Yes, we all know, we know her well. Okay, okay. Okay, shut it down. Because I, Now, you understand that what that debate is about, right? Paul Pagal is trying to say, how can they shut it down? They couldn't shut it down. They couldn't shut it down. Uh, ask Bernie Sanders how they can shut it down, buddy. <laughs> ask Bernie Sanders. You're damn right they can shut it down. But what they're really debating is, is Joe Biden going to be the nominee? Now, they know they're going to get shellacked in 23 days, but they're talking out. They're projecting forward two years down the road if he decides to run. And Andrew Yang left the party because he knows damn good and well that the DNC is corrupt. I don't agree with anything Andrew Yang believes in. I mean, he's far too liberal for me. But he knows that there's corruption going on within the ranks. There's corruption going on within the ranks. Like I said, ask Bernie Sanders. They screwed him out of a out what, what perhaps could have been the nomination. They screwed him out of it and gave it to Hillary years ago. And Andrew Yang got tired of it, and he left. And now they won't listen to him because they're corrupt and they're power-craving. And we take the power back from them in 23 days. Anyway, listen, that's going to do it for me, Steve Hook. I thank you for being part of Right Hook Podcast today on Not Black, Not White American Media Group. We'll meet again next week, and then it'll only be, what, less than three weeks till we take our country back. Remember to vote. Everybody in your household that can vote should vote, and all of your friends, take them to vote too. Let's make it a red tsunami uh, cat five. You know what I'm saying? Until next time, goodbye. Welcome to Right Hook Podcast. I'm Steve Hook, your host. Welcome aboard to our big podcast here. Big, big show today. Stick around. Right Hook Podcast coming up now.